This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hello, my name is Christopher Kalala. I'm a member of the Community Bank Council, RMA's Community Bank Council. And um, we're here to discuss, we have a couple panel members and a moderator that's from, from the council that is um, here to discuss some portfolio management issues that are connected to the pandemic. I'll start by making um, one introduction um, besides myself. I'm from a community bank named Commercial Bank of California, um, $1.6 billion bank located in Southern California, headquartered in um, Irvine, California. Um, and I'd like to introduce Lexi Garrison, who's from Valence Bank, and that's located in Oklahoma City. I hope I got the name right. She could correct me. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And she's going to serve as the moderator. She's a very active member of our community bank uh, council and would like to um, share a little bit about herself. Thanks, Chris. It's actually Valiance Bank. It's, we get called Valiance, Valiance. So we kind of answer to, to any of them. Um, but thank you for having me on. Valiance is about a half billion dollar bank, uh, community bank located here in Oklahoma with five locations across two states, both Oklahoma and Texas. So we've grown significantly since our um, beginning in 2004 and uh, have you know, plans to continue to do so. You know, I appreciate you having me on today. Uh, portfolio management is a, a big passion of mine and it definitely has been over, for us, it's been over the past two years that we were in a, a big growth mode for, for multiple years in a row. And we, to some extent, kind of got off track of what the basics of, of commercial lending can be. And a lot of that does boil down to portfolio management, that taking care of the customer base that you have is extremely important. And it's not just going out and getting new loans and bringing on new customers, that you have to make sure that you take care of your existing customers. And that's for multiple reasons. Um, but that really got heightened when the pandemic started. And we sat down as a group and identified that, you know, going back to the basics for commercial lending was going to be the best thing for us. And, and that's really getting to know or knowing your customer. And portfolio management is the best way to do that. As one of the things that we talked about was really in order to be prepared for what was ever going to happen during the pandemic, because that started last year, was to look at the information that we had and, and file for our financial basis for our customers and, and start having those conversations with them. So it, it became a very heightened level for us. And we employed a couple different strategies, but I'm really curious for you guys, what, um, what were your best practices or strategies um, that you guys employed or that you see other community bankers employing to, to ease the borrowers into submitting financial information um, for these, maybe a suboptimal reporting period or um, you know, not knowing how to report some of the, the PPP funds or grant funds they received or the multiple different scenarios that we saw um, being countered during 2020. Thank you, Lexi. I'll go ahead and, and uh, start answering that um, because we did about the same thing your bank did, spent a lot of time kind of strategizing. And some of the answer uh, to that is actually embedded in the phrasing of your question. It really is 
easing the borrowers into submitting the financial information, showing probably extraordinary sensitivity and understanding at this time, because we're aware that calendar year 2020 and 2021 year to date is likely to, to be very poor numbers. Um, those that have good figures for that period because they adjusted their business or the pandemic worked for them um, probably were, you know, are more likely to act as they have in the past and worked with you in providing the information um, during these suboptimal periods. But, you know, this time around, I, I really do think you still need to maintain, you know, your professional firmness, but I think showing some understanding um, that these figures aren't going to be as well as in the past and that we, that we we're, you know, we're seasoned bankers and we understand that. So, one thing we've all done is is really when the bar is is utilized those opportunities where the bar is asking for accommodation or any type of adjustment anything that that you know that that, that they need to do to tweak their loan whether it's up down payments that's really an opportune time to you know to advise of the need to submit requisite financial information and and and, um, and any other information that's that's needed you know one could politely advise but the bank cannot do anything without the requisite information by policy or and by oversight. So I, I think that's that that has really worked for us. It also seems to make sense to start with the bank's ordinary standard methods of sending pleasantly worded request letters in the same manner we've done in prior years. Not you know, kind of kind of keep them feeling this is not that different. The practice could be aug augmented with friendly telephone calls prior to or maybe after the request letter sent out, just generally a constructive business as usual attitude could serve the situation quite well. So um, be sure to show that understanding that I talked about earlier for the less favorable results, possibly by sharing that many banks, um, many of the bank's other clients are having the same experiences too. I think that that might relieve them of how you might react to their numbers for, for the year 2020 and, and, and even possibly interim 2022. In, in brief, it's really just trust building. It's a trust building endeavor. I completely agree. And being able to build that relationship and being able to have those, those type of conversations and the, and the borrowers being able to, or your customers being able to have honest conversations and with you is, is extremely important. Do you see, feel that there were any um, outside circumstances, you know, out of their, out of a customer's control that prevented them from being able to provide the financial statements that's um, that the banks were requesting? There certainly were. There are there are times and 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 where accounting firms were not available. All the resources weren't available. So it's you know. It'll be delayed, but it should not cause the the information not to be available. Uh, albeit, it's it, it very well be could be a few months a few months delayed. Other than that, no, it, you know it's usually available. And we all know historically that when financial statements slow, it's a potential red flag that there, there there's issues at the business. Well, here. Um, we know what that red flag is. We know, we know exactly. We, we're aware of what the potential cause is. I, I think now, you know, there's a, the, the concern is how we as bankers might react to what, what we're seeing. We're seeing, we're seeing numbers in the red. We're seeing, we're seeing some problems at the business over that time frame. I, I think if they, if they trust us to react 
responsibly to those figures, I think we can ease them into providing the, uh, the same information they've provided in the past. So modest slow, slowness, but I don't see big hurdles for them to be able to deliver what, what's uh, the requisite information. I, I think that's a great point of view and perspective. How about regionally? Do you think that there were different circumstances in different areas of the country, depending on the level of shutdown as a result of the pandemic? Certainly, there certainly was. Um, so as I mentioned, my bank was, my bank's located in Southern California. And so we're, you know, Irvine is a stone throw from Anaheim. And we know that, you know, a lot of the large amusement parks like Disneyland, you know, just recently reopened. It, it's, it's been closed for quite a while. So um, it's, it, we have quite a bit of business that's connected to tourism. Um, part of our portfolio, a good, a good significant segment of our portfolio is hospitality uh, credit facilities for hospitality properties. And so um, there's, without a question, um, the impact of the pandemic through 2020 and 2021 has uh, geographical differences. And, and definitely we were hit a little more, um, a little more than maybe, maybe other parts, even other parts of California. Northern California was hit very differently. The tech section of, of Northern California really had, you know, they had, they had some buzz. They actually had some uplifting of financial results uh, at a lot of the companies there where we didn't have that same experience. But on the other hand, if you pay attention to that geographical information, you start realizing that those numbers are turning around now. That's historical data. We should be able to grapple with those past numbers um, as long as we're getting updated numbers to see that, that the companies we've lent to are enjoying and prospering in, 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 in the uh, kind of the new business environment. Perfect. Uh, speaking of you know regional differences, we also have on our podcast today with us, Fred Daniels, who's from a completely different region of the country. And I want to take this opportunity to let Fred um, introduce himself and kind of give his perspective on the questions that we just, that, that Chris just discussed with us and, and give some insight from, from his side of, of the banking industry. Well, first of all, thank you, Lexi, and thank you, Chris. I'm always honored to be in you guys' presence, um, working on the Community Bank Council. Uh, it is a, 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 a real opportunity to learn more about banking, more about credit, and how our peers are doing what we do on a daily basis um, at an optimal level. So again, thank you for the opportunity. Um, my name is Fred Daniels. I am the Chief Credit Officer of Citizens Trust Bank in Atlanta, Georgia. We are a CDFI um, institution, um, MDI. We are a little less than $600 million in, in total assets. Uh, we are you know, experiencing a, a growth spurt um, as it relates to both deposits, loans, and capital. So uh, we have a lot of great things happening um, in the uh, metro Atlanta region. Our bank is primarily located in Atlanta and um, Birmingham, Alabama. And so we have um, eight offices between the two states. Thank you so much for joining us. What kind of best practices and strategies have you guys employed to help ease the borrowers into making sure they can uh, submit their financial statements? Um, we believe in is really working as a trusted advisor. I think trying to provide um, what we, we, we call 
good advice and counsel uh, for these customers who we're all going through have, and have gone through um, nothing that we've ever experienced before. And so letting them know that they're not in this alone, I think um, building their, 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 their confidence from a perspective that their numbers are not excuse me, as strong as they were, were in the past. You know, we are not um, necessarily enforcing um, covenants at this point in time. Um, we're acknowledging that the customer has probably not met the covenants, um, but we're waiving them and letting the customer know that they're being waived um, so that they feel uh, a, a little ease in terms of um, our relationship with them. I think that, you know, counseling them and not when I say counseling, I'm saying actually taking our spreads, you know, each bank spreads their numbers and we do our, you know, our analysis. But what we've tried to do is take and work with our underwriters to not only spread the numbers for internal purposes, but then we're also looking at the, 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 the ratios that are, uh, I guess, most impactful to those businesses and having our underwriters work with those customers to help them understand what the numbers are. Their accountants normally can put the numbers together, but in terms of the interpretation of those numbers, the ratios and the things that are important to us in terms of peer groupings, um, looking at RMA, the peer comparisons and saying, you know, you're in this percentile or you're in the lower percentile or you're doing well uh, for all intended purposes. I think, you know, really helps the customer and giving them kind of what those percentiles are, you know, gives them a sense that, you know, maybe I'm not that far off given, um, you know, what we've all, what we've all come through. One of the other pieces that we've, um, that helped us in terms of portfolio management is that within the loan agreements that we have created, it gives us the, the, the customer essentially gives us the authority to contact their accountants directly. And we have found that that's been helpful in terms of not trying to obviously hide anything, but just being able to go directly to the customer, going directly to the accountant, and then giving them a electronic format to send to us that automatically downloads their numbers into our system. That has made things a lot easier when you don't have to chase down the customer, um, chase down the customer, then the accountant, and then chase down the accountant to give you the information. Being able to go straight to them and then provide a electronic resource for them to send the numbers that automatically via tax returns and or you know, certain format of financial statements automatically upload into our, our financial system has, we thought, we think been effective in terms of, you know, it's not 100%. I mean, I mean it's no, you know, it's in artificial intelligence where, you know, we just plug something in and you get everything back. But I, we believe that it has um, lessen some of the burden on the on the customer with us going directly, you know, to our, their accountant, assuming, you know, that they've been in contact with their accountant and assuming that they have, you know, gotten the requisite financial information that they would normally do, whether good or bad, and be able to send that over um, to us. I think that, you know, again, you know, truly understanding the challenges uh, is one of the, the biggest pieces. You know, this is really where I think we as community bankers have that advantage where we can call these customers once we get the analysis, once we look at it and determine what's going on, 
and we've made some determination, then we want to talk to them. One of the big things that we've been working with our customers on are projections. You know, what are you projecting out? I mean, we don't know. I mean, it, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of swag guesses anyway, but I think having them go through that exercise, especially if their numbers are way off and then, you know, having them go through and actually think through what their plan's gonna be. And then being able to look back each month and see how far they are in terms of um, being on top of that plan or behind the plan or in line with the plan helps them, again, look at what their opportunities are going forward in terms of the number of personnel that they're gonna need, what are the revenue opportunities and what do they, they need to change internally be it from an expense perspective to enhance revenue or even from adding additional people to generate more revenue. Those have been some very fruitful conversations with our customers that I think that they've truly appreciated that they're not getting from our larger bank brethren, if you will, and has really you know, given us a leg up. Now, you know, we still know that the, the fintechs are out there and they're you know, generating these loans and, and information, but still, we have to look at, you know, what is that niche that we have and where are we differentiating ourselves from the larger banks and the fintechs? And it is that relationship in terms of being able to sit down with them and help them through this turbulent period that I believe really at the end of the day will not only endear our customers to us, but will bring more of them to the community bank segment. Fred, the, everything you just said there is, is amazing. And there's two, there's two key, key parts that I, I want to make sure that everybody caught on to and, and point them out that really overall, it comes down to relationship banking. But within what you were just talking about, you know, sitting down and going over the financial statements, you know, we as bankers go through a lot of credit training and understand the financial ins and outs of it. Um, but a lot of our borrowers don't necessarily understand what we refer to as swing factors. And you know, knowing what the benefit of um, collecting on their accounts receivable a little bit faster, if you have a 35-day turnaround time and, and being able to, or average days receivable, or, and being able to shorten that to 30 days, or if your accounts payable has a has a, a has days of you know 20 days, if you can stretch those out to 30, the the amounts of cash flow that you can benefit from by doing those type of things. And those are simple calculations that we can do as as RMA members and as bankers in general to be able to sit down and show them the effect of those simple financial ratios um, that that can be done and, and, and how that can affect their business overall. Uh, and but specifically on the relationship banking and, and what we can provide to them as true community bankers, it's huge. And I want to give Chris an opportunity to speak a little bit on the relationship banking as well. And, you know, Chris, how um, could relationship banking and or, you know, consultative, consultative approaches be leveraged to lessen the borrower's discomforts? You know, thank you. And, I, and you covered a lot of ground. So I'll keep this comment somewhat brief in saying that we have... Um, we have reached out. We've gone really the extra mile during these times. Um, and, um, and for the more sizable customers, extended you know, an invitation for lunch or dinner or a meeting somewhere uh, with the account officer and, and potentially C-suite 
uh, personnel on the staff, bring, you know, bring the CEO, president CEO out there to have these discussions. Um, again, you can't, can't afford to do that with all your customers and you, you've got to manage that time, but that has been useful for us to go out there and, 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 uh, and it, it just seems to tickle a lot of customers to sit, you know, across from a table and they're, and they're accepting the invitations at this time. Finally, you know, we all feel comfortable. Most people feel comfortable in the, in the right setting, getting together and, and doing exactly the items that, that, that both of you talked about, um, going over numbers, going over what the circumstances are and showing them that you're not overreacting to 2020 and, and you know, early part of 2021's figures. Perfect. Chris, thank you so much for that input. Both you and Fred have touched on um, financial performance and how that affects covenants and, and items in the borrower's loan agreement. How should the financial results for the calendar year 2020 and even year-to-date 2021 um, be viewed from a financial compliance standpoint? Well, Lexi, I, you know, I, I'd say there's some alternative viewpoints out there. I could tell you at our bank, we're looking at it from the standpoint that if the subject bar was performing well prior to the onset of the pandemic and has significantly or substantially, whatever, you know, whatever proportion you expect has returned to satisfactory performance, then I, then I would say that a bank could reasonably treat these unfavorable results as, a, as extraordinary events, much like an extraordinary event and, and deem the client to be in compliance. If you'd still feel they didn't technically comply, you can provide a waiver of, of the non-compliance. It doesn't really seem to make sense. You were in relationship banking and uh, you have a good bar. How you react today will make a big difference on whether you keep the client for years down the road. So I'd probably either give the waiver or just treat it as a as meeting as compliant at their, as them being compliant. Have you taken the steps when you see um some severity and the results of, of the financials that warrant maybe the need for uh, updated third-party reports, some reports such as uh, real estate appraisals, collateral evaluations, um, third-party site visits, those type of things. So. Yeah, so so I'll, I'll address two parts. One, yeah, how do you react to you know these negative numbers? And you're right, sometimes it's pretty, you know, there were some severe, like I said, we're in, we're in an area with a lot of tourism and, you know, and, and a lot of, and we have a lot of hospitality in the portfolio. So we had to use a different tool maybe than, than, than everywhere. You mentioned the geographical differences and um, you know, we had some, you know, some hotels actually just shut down. It was just the most cost-effective, you know, um, approach to surviving through that time frame. So uh, we pivoted a little bit away from looking at the severity to looking at the duration of the of the problems that they were that they were weathering. You know, how temporary or, or permanent are these changes? Is are they going to be ongoing? And so the grade change really had a lot to do with um, that the duration of time. And we had a lot of conversations during this period. We had an examination, and the examiners were quite comfortable using. The duration of time of their of their downturn to uh, play a big role and 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 put more emphasis really on their liquidity and available other available resources during it. So that addressed the um, the the change in grade, but conditions could be. It's certainly possible that conditions could be um, 
warrant could warrant that you do start looking at you know your loan documents and you start looking at your 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 insurance coverage and should I get more third party reports? It's certainly tools, whether with the full support of your bar or not, that you should start you should start looking at utilizing and uh, and it'll help you really strategize how you work with the client. If if in using those third party reports, you, it's still a clean property, it's got a good site visit and uh, even evaluation standpoint, you're still at a very safe loan to value. I think that would speak loudly to work with the client, spend more time with them. You're not at risk at the end of the day, a downgrade is not you know, the, the, the worst thing in the world. It's really not suffering a credit loss. Um, that's been our philosophy. So, you, you know, you get the third party reports, it'll help you make quality decisions, again, with or without your borrower's cooperation. Hopefully they're, you know, they're, they're in lockstep with you, but even if they're not, you, you, you could definitely make decisions on whether you're going to have a workout loan or your will, you know, and, and uh, start exercising your legal rights or whether you're going to work um, extensively with the bar to, to kind of stretch out the payments and give them some type of uh, forbearance. Chris, you just said something that I've felt strongly about for a very long time, and that a downgrade is not the worst thing in the entire world for us as bankers, that it is nothing but us doing our job and, and identifying risk adequately, that especially as credit professionals, a lot of us are often um, seen as that we want to avoid risk. And that's truly not what we want to what we want to do. We want to make sure that we are mitigating the risk that we have identified. And that's the most important part. And all of this process that we've talked about today, the portfolio management during this pandemic has been huge. And it's really been the key important part on the bank side in order to identify what risks are there between all of, all of our borrowers, because it's going to vary between borrower, between industry, between region. So it's extremely important to make sure that we remember that um, on the credit side and that we're communicating it well, that it's it's not the end of the world for a downgrade. It's, it's truly only um, doing the best thing for not only the bank, but also the borrower and, and starting those conversations early in order to be able to be on the front side of things and hopefully save everybody money in the long run and keep a good loan on the books and keep a, a good company in business. So gentlemen, I want to thank you guys for having me as a moderator today. It's been a great time. I've enjoyed this conversation very, very much. Um, and I appreciate you guys taking the time to answer all of my questions. Thank you, Lexi. I've appreciated. I've enjoyed the conversation as well. Thank you very much, Lexi and Chris. You guys make me feel real good about the job that I'm continuing to be able to do every day for the bank.